near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side, and the music album Home, both of which are available on our website, neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. Today we're going to share the experience of Stephen from enderf.org. Stephen says, I was accosted, stabbed repeatedly, and shot twice in the spine. Made it to the emergency room. Then, as I was signing the consent form, I left. My first recollection was at the top of the emergency room. I could see myself on the table. Several doctors and two policemen. I heard the doctor tell the cop to take my personal belongings to property because he won't be here in the morning. Then, and there was no relative time frame, my next vision was above the hospital, looking down. The next moment, I was in a space of light. No tunnel of light, just a space. I learned later that time and space only exist in the third dimension, and once one leaves, there is none. There was no real here or there. There was no definitive source of the light. The space just was light. Then, here it gets weird, three beings appeared to me. Now, it must be said, up until that time, I had no understanding or knowledge of ETs, afterlife stuff, NDEs, any of it. I was just an out-of-control, bike-riding, drug-using hippie from the 1960s, okay? Now, I guess I should explain that after these events, I awoke five days later in the intensive care unit. It was another 15 years before I awoke and accepted what had happened to me. During that time, I thought I was totally insane because I had a second voice in my head, which I will explain later. In 1988, I chose to enter recovery and quit drinking and using drugs. Within weeks of accepting accepting spirit into my life, Everything, and I do mean everything, changed. Now, back to the experience. So, there I was, in this space of light, with these three beings appearing in front of me. We had a conversation, and later, 15 years later, when all of this came clear, I was given a choice, as is always done, 
to stay gone or to go back. They told me that they wanted my form. The physical form holds the cellular memories of all one's experiences. And they wanted to send me back with a new spirit, a healing and teaching one. But that they wanted it in a form that had the ability to survive until the time was right. I must have agreed. The next thing I remember was waking up in intensive care unit with tubes and wires everywhere. I should have had a colostomy and many other surgeries, but since no one expected me to make it, all they did was remove one of the bullets and sew me back up. Well, within five days of waking up, I was walking around with the bottles on the racks. The doctors couldn't believe it. Within a few more days, I left the hospital. Well, I now had this new spirit, but didn't know it consciously. So my abuse went really out there, trying to quiet this new voice. Long story short, once I accepted spirit in 1988, everything changed. I knew intuitively most of the healing arts, Reiki, acupuncture, Tai Chi, and others. I could see people's restrictions. I had an instant connection to people's higher selves, their spirit, when they got within three feet of me. I instantly knew many of the teachings that were published years later. When I touch someone, their spirit tells me their truth behind their cover story. Made me a very good therapist. I also knew of the other inhabitants of the universe. Don't go there much anymore. Not the reason we are here. In 1996, I moved to Colorado, the Rocky Mountains, grounding. I've worked the 8 to 5 thing, which I've never done before. I needed to understand normal. Doubt I ever will. Today I own a real estate appraisal business, and my closest friends know who I am and know they can ask when, they need a ri- when the need arises. I've learned balance, peace, empathy, unconditional love, and spiritual ethics from my walk these past 19 years. Several writers have wanted to do my life story, but I've always said no one would believe it. As for this writing, there is much more than is written here. This will give you a glimpse into me. That's the end of Michael's experience. And I should say, I, I have this trouble sometimes... This sounds very familiar to me. It seems like I have read this one, and I'm not sure because I pre-read all of these, usually weeks before I end up um, reading them aloud. But usually I can tell if I've read it before. But I looked back through and I couldn't find any marked Stevens near-death experience. So maybe I didn't. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, So sorry if I have read this one. Um, but I just to in case I have read it and you're feeling like you're um, missing out because you've already heard this, let's read one more. This is Joan from Enderf.org. Joan says, I had an allergic reaction to an antibiotic I was taking. I thought it was due to some lotion I had put on, so I got in the shower and tried washing it off. I did take a Benadryl beforehand, not realizing that it would take a while to work. While in the shower, I started to have trouble breathing and getting a bit dizzy, and was getting a bit dizzy. I then knelt down in the tub 
and then sat down facing the water. My nine-year-old daughter had come in once before and wanted to get my fiancé. I told her, no, I was okay. She then came in while I was sitting down in the tub. She took one look at me and ran to get my fiancé, Tony. Tony came in and very calmly said to my daughter, go and get the phone. My daughter started to panic, and my fiancé calmed her down and asked her again to get the phone. She ran to get the phone and brought it to me. He immediately called 911. I had to lean forward in order to get air and breathe. I did not know it, but at the time, my lips were blue. I was extremely pale, and my eyes were bulging. I actually did not think I was dying. I was trying to lean forward and concentrate on getting air into my lungs. My fiancé kept talking to me, trying to keep me conscious and awake. He would say, Stay with me, Joan, stay with me. He repeated what the 911 operator told him to say. He told me to lean back, which was just so that I would not hit my head on the tub. However, when I leaned back, I could not get any air, so I leaned forward again. I could barely talk, but I managed to get out that I could not breathe when I leaned back. My fiancé kept saying to me, Stay with me, Joan. The paramedics will be here soon. Just stay with me. I knew I was losing consciousness, but I held on until I saw the male paramedic. Everything went black then. I came to, and I must have been in the ambulance. One of the paramedics was sitting on the side of me, and there was another paramedic behind me. I couldn't move anything. My eyes had popped open, but I could not uh, I could not move them. I had peripheral vision, and I could see forward, but I could not move anything. I could hear the paramedic behind me say, I'm not getting a pressure. The paramedic on the side of me said, What? He then said, I'm not getting a pulse. Then everything went black. It seemed like I was standing in total darkness. There was something or someone standing on the side of me a few feet away. I felt nothing bad. I was actually quite happy. I felt like I had no problems anymore, like the weight of the world was lifted off of me. I turned to look on the side of me. I could not see anything, but I knew someone was there. I looked up at what I thought was the sky. I could see all these stars, and they were so beautiful. I continued looking at them and reaching out towards them and saying how beautiful they were. The stars were so bright, but I could look at them without being blinded. Then some of the stars started coming towards me. I turned to the presence on the side of me and said how beautiful they were and that I wished they would hurry up and get closer. When I turned back to look at the stars, they were in the form of crosses. I thought they were the most beautiful things I had ever seen, and I was so happy. I really felt as though they were angels coming for me. The next thing I knew, I was coming to and was in the hospital on a respirator. Okay, now hopefully we haven't read that one before. That one doesn't seem quite as familiar as the previous one. I'm and um, if it is new to you, great. If it is not, I apologize. Um, but this is an interesting one. A lot of medical stuff, uh, you know, precursoring the, uh, the near-death experience. 
But uh, Joan seems to find herself in the void. But instead of being in complete darkness, it seems that she is in a location of complete darkness, but when she looks up, she can see what looks like stars. And she even calls them stars. She could see the stars, and they were so beautiful, and she's admiring the beauty of these stars. The interesting thing about this is not just that there's multiple stars, but that they all seem to be getting brighter. I've heard many experiences where someone will see a starry night, but there's a particular star that is getting brighter and bigger, and they go into that light. I've also heard of ones where stars are passing them as if they are other spirits who have um, just died also, and they are together heading toward heaven or whatever it is that they're doing. And uh, it, whether or not that's the case, this is a unique one because all of the stars seem to be coming toward her. And not only are they coming toward her, but they're taking on a shape. In this case, the form of crosses. Now, I don't know if these are crosses like stars crosses or if they are crosses like religious crosses. I, obviously, uh, she doesn't say, but she does say that she felt as though they were angels coming for her. But of course... They don't reach her before she wakes up in the hospital on a respirator. A very simple experience in a lot of ways, but profound in, a, in, in others. Um, that message of we have no reason to fear death comes through bright and clear. And uh, the message that even in darkness, if that's what we first experience on the other side, we can experience happiness and joy in that, and that light is coming. Now that's the end of the accounts that we're reading today, but I just wanted to make a quick little note. We've, uh, at the time of this recording, it's uh, January 5th that I'm recording this, and it is now a new year. Good chance that it will be more like February that this will be posting, um, but it still applies. I just wanted to say, we're in a new year, and this is an, a new opportunity to resolve to live the life that you came here to live. Now, you may not know consciously what you came here to do. You may not be able to know the details of your life's plan, but you can choose to seek that. And you can also choose to act based on what you do suspect that you are here to do. You can choose to act on that. And regardless of what you plan on doing with this year, with your life, let it be filled with love. Love for other people, kindness, gentleness. And you don't have to shun people who are contentious. You just have to you can just not participate in the contention, you know, and you'll find contention, plenty to contend about, but you don't need to be upset about it. Just observe and be calm and peaceful, and often that will diffuse a lot of of the uh, vitriol and hatred that seems to be a little bit of an aftermath of the trauma that 2020 was. And, uh, I think this should be a year of healing. And I think it can be a year of healing both physically and spiritually.
clearly there's going to be a great deal of vaccining and a, a great deal of, of hopefully getting back to a seemingly normal life. And that's going to take time. Healing always does. Society itself has suffered a major economic blow from all of this that is going to take some time to heal. Be patient with that. Sometimes healing can be an opportunity to learn and practice compassion. It can be an opportunity to uh, sense out the needs and and hopes and dreams of others, to be able to reach out to them and speak to them in a way that maybe you haven't been able to do before. And I hope that you'll use this time to consider what things in your life you could either improve on or start doing that you haven't done, or perhaps just have this year be the year that you are content and satisfied with the progress that you've made and with the idea that God will lead you where you need to go. If you are staying close to him, if you are seeking him, I keep hearing this, uh, this Christmas message, wise men seek him still. And I think that's even more true the rest of the year because at Christmas time, it seems kind of obvious and we all have this slightly more spiritual nature about us, but it's harder when that's over. And it's harder when there's no longer Christmas carols being sung and this goodwill toward men being paraded everywhere. But that doesn't mean that our seeking him has to end. In fact, it should be the beginning of our journey. The Christmas story of the wise men, if you look at it closely, it appears that they were probably traveling or seeking him for at least a couple of years. This wasn't a you know, days before he was born or weeks before he was born kind of thing. When the wise men arrived to meet Jesus for the first time, Jesus was probably old enough to be walking and talking some. That means they were at it for years. It's okay to be seeking for years. In fact, some of us will be seeking for a lifetime. But it's the seeking that puts us in a heart set to be guided. And so if you've not sought out God personally, I encourage you to do that. That journey is going to be different for different people because we're all at different stages, different spiritual points in our lives, different religious points in our lives, and we need not condemn anyone for their religious or spiritual choices. In fact, we should encourage each other in them because that's what we do when we love one another, when we genuinely accept and desire to serve one another. We care, and we honor the choices of other people. So, if you would like to support the podcast, and I would like to take a moment to say thank you, thank you to all of you who have over 2020 and who continue to support the podcast in any way. The purchase of my book, the purchase of my album, and the Patreon account, which makes it so that you can continue to support the podcast. I, I, I just want to say thank you so much for your contributions, your willingness to make this podcast a reality, because it's your support that's doing it. And to, if you would like to 
support the podcast. As I was saying, you can purchase my book, Life in the Spirit World, my album, Home, both of which are on neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. Click on the menu item that says store, and you will see them both there. If you would like to contribute through Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash ndepodcast. And with that, thank you, you guys, so much again for listening. Thank you.